Morning, everybody. Happy New Year. How'd you like that? Yeah, that was great. That was great. That was a great job, team. So, uh, jump start. I have a pair of jumper cables here. We're going to about jump starting stuff today. A pair of jumper cables, cables walks into a bar. Bartender says, I'll serve you, but I don't start anything. Uh, what do we use jumper cables for, everybody? What do we use them for? We use them to bring a dead battery back to life, right? Or to bring a weak battery back to life. Today we're going to talk about what we need to actually jump start our life, particularly in areas of faith. You know, in the new year, we often talk about, uh, yeah, we're going to evaluate our life. We're going to think about the things we're doing, our physical life, our relational life, our professional life, all of these things. But in the midst of that, we often think about what are we going to do with our spiritual life? How can we jumpstart? Is there such a thing as something that will help me to jumpstart my spiritual life? And this is what we want to focus on this morning. Every year at the beginning of the year, we notice in America there's a bump in church attendance because this is something we're very interested in. Like I can get my physical life right or my financial life right, but somewhere in the midst of that, we know, because the Bible says that God has set eternity in our hearts, is that we want to get something that will last forever, will last forever. We want to get that jump started. And so is there spiritual jump cables, right? Is there something that's going to jump start my life spiritually? This is what we want to focus on today in this message. Now, there's three things for sure that we know that'll jumpstart our lives. It's been very very well researched. It's tried. It's true. It's all over the place in the Bible. It's all over the place in study after study after study. It's the big three. I just want to give you this as an overview for something for you to think about. The first one is this. It's Christ. We talk about the three C's at Grace. Christ, community, and compassion. We talk about this all the time. We say, you know, we only do three things at this church. We do Christ, compassion, and community. We do that over and over and over again. Christ, when you study and reflect and think and talk about and try to explain the story of Jesus Christ, what happens is, is, is it sparks a spiritual growth in our life. This is, this is well known. It's the, by far, everybody, out of the three, by far, this is the number one catalyst for spiritual growth in America. Very well researched. We're gonna, I'm not gonna talk about this a lot because next week we're beginning a brand new series called I'm Out to Change My World. We're gonna study a letter that is in the Bible that probably is connected to, to more jumpstart spiritually throughout history for the last 2,000 years throughout history than any other book, any other letter that we have in the Bible. We're gonna, going to really go after that. If you're a person that you would say, you know what, I don't know much about Christianity or I've never been in church before, I would like to know, like, get, can you get right to the heart of it? What is this thing really all about? What is Christianity really all about? Well, this is your series because it's going to be raw. It's going to be real. We're going to write to the heart. We're going to write to really what matters. If you're a person like me who's grown up in church your whole life, you know what church people say? We've been in church all life. I hear this all the time. Say to me, you know, John, I, I, I want to go deep. I just, I want to go deep. I want to know the deep things of God. Well, you can't get any deeper. We're about ready to dive into the deep end of the pool in this study next week. This series is going to be for you. This is the number one catalyst for spiritual growth. It'll jumpstart any dead battery that you might have. That's Christ. That's number one. The second one is this, compassion. It's serving others. 
So we're told in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus Christ did not come to be served but to serve other people and that we should have the same attitude as Jesus. Last week, our youth pastor, Matt Komar, talked about this. I thought he did an excellent job. He used a little train track, if you saw that. And he said, you know, when that track is turned out like this, like in a curve, and it's turned out like this, in community, it'll run around. The train will run around the track. But when it curves back, it's going to fall off the track. That's our life. That's our relational life with God and with others. Jesus totally connects the vertical and the horizontal. He doesn't say you can disconnect. Them. You know, oh, you can have a great relationship with God and not a great relationship with other people. He says, no, 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 no. The two are completely intertwined. You can't disconnect. And so you have to be turned out. You have, you have to serve. He said last week, if anybody had a problem with his message, that you could email me, and he gave out my email address as Studley Senior Pastor at TryGrace.org. If you would like to compliment him on his message last week, you can get a hold of him at Former Grace Youth Pastor <laughs> at, at TryGrace.org if you want to get a hold of Matt Comar. So it's Christ, it's compassion, it's serving, and then the last one is community right? It's community. So goes your life. So goes your relationships. And Brian just said a few uh, moments ago, and I know at West Falls Church, you talked about it there, Pastor Derek, just a few moments ago, community group signups. We have to be connected, vitally connected to other people through service and through relationships. And then in our community groups, it just kind of loops around because in our community groups, you end up reflecting on Christ, right? You get the first C. You're in community, so you got that, and you're serving each other. So all of them come together in the community sign-up, and all of these are incredibly important. As I said, these are the things that are tried and true. Like, if you want to put something on your dashboard, say, hey, John, I, I want to jumpstart my spiritual life in 2019. What do I do? Those are the three things you do. I want to add something else to them. Those are the big three, but I want to add something something we hardly ever talk about. We seldom talk about, but Jesus talked a lot about, like a lot. Jesus talked more about the topic we're going to talk about today than he did heaven or hell. So Jesus talked a lot about this topic. It's something. So if it's your first time here, it's like, oh my gosh, why are you, you know, you're talking, why are you talking about that today on the first Sunday? I mean, my goodness, on the first Sunday of 2019, you're going to do that. And last night, the Dallas Cowboys won, and I'm already upset about that. I'm pretty disgusted with where's, you know, all that whole stuff. And so you're feeling low already, and you came for a pick-me-up today, and now you're talking about this. Well, Jesus talked a lot about it. Like I said, more than heaven and hell combined. So it's a big deal. It's a big deal to Jesus. Jesus. And what you'll find is this is something that will weaken your spirit if you don't pay attention to it. This is something that will hold you back from God. This is something, right? If you're trying to, if you're trying to get a little, if you're trying to get a little jumpstart, right? If you're trying to do that, this will affect it. I got to tell you the truth. Every time I'm thinking about this all week and every time I hold a pair of junk, jumper cables, I actually think about this. When we were kids, my brother, my older brother, we had a friend and they wrestling. And some of you remember, remember clothespins? Do you remember the little... Does anybody, clothespin, anybody do laundry? Clothespin used to have those things you put on the line. Well, the friend held him down, my brother down, and he put a clothespin, he stuck it up his nose and he released it. And I just, that visual, so I think about that. I'm never going to, I'm not going to do that. Just shaking head. But anyway, what will jumpstart? All right, I want to talk about what's, what's going to jumpstart. So here we go. I would like to read Luke 19, this story. I'm going to comment along the way. We're going to jump into it. All right. Jesus entered Jericho. He made his way through the town, and there was a man there named Zacchaeus. Let's stop right there, Zacchaeus. His name means righteous. And the concept in the Bible of righteous is somebody who has a right relationship with God and other people. So that's his name. So he had a plan and a purpose. 
Like he was named with the plan and the purpose that he should be righteous. Like his relationship with God should be right. His relationship with other people should be right, right? And his parents named him this way because we want you to like focus vertical horizontal. We want, you, we want you to do that. And he was not living up to that. And he needed to get, he needed to have his life kind of jumpstart. And you think about God has a plan for every single person in this room. He's got a purpose. He's got a plan. I'll talk about this in the next few weeks coming up. We are telic creatures. We must have a purpose. We live for a purpose. You, if you, you will find a purpose in something somewhere. And Zacchaeus was supposed to live right with God and right with other people, and that was completely broken off. He was a chief tax collector, we're told, in the region, and he had become very rich. He's rich. He's powerful guy, right? Verse 3, he tried to get a look at Jesus. But he was too short to see over the crowd. Now, some of you grew up going to Sunday school. I know about 40% of those who attend Grace have never, ever, ever been to church anywhere before, and you are trying out church for the very first time. But there's a 60% of us here in this room that we grew up going to Sunday school, and we know a little song about Zacchaeus, don't we? Does anybody know the song? All right, I see some heads nodding. I'm not going to sing it because I'm not a singer, and we clear the room out too quickly, right? Tried to get a look at Jesus. He's too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. Now, this grabs our attention immediately. It says he, he ran and he climbed. You know why? This is very unusual. So I know it wouldn't be unusual for us, but them reading this back then, 2,000 years ago, when they were, you, a man doesn't run in public. It doesn't happen just doesn't happen. Children run in public. Little children, they run in public. But a man, particularly a rich, powerful man, would never, ever, ever run in public. Why is he doing this? He's, and not only is he he's looking like a little child, not only is he running in public, but he's climbing a tree. I got news for you. They don't wear pants back then. So he's really putting, him, he's really putting himself out there, all right? <clears throat> Verse number five, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. So Jesus is inviting himself to his house. Now, this is a problem. Why is it a problem? Well, here we go. Verse six, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. Why were they displeased? The people were displeased. He had gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Oh, my goodness. Verse 8. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said this, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I had cheated people, and he had, and he had, they were notorious for stealing. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Now, look at Jesus' response to this. Jesus responds, salvation has come to this house today. For this man has shown himself to be the true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. I want to say something about that word lost at the end. Then I want to go back to the main point. <clears throat> Sometimes you hear people say, you know what? You know, I just want to, I want to talk to lost people. In our, in our culture today, when you say somebody's lost, it means like they're just out of it. Right? It's not, a, it's not a favorable thing to say. When Jesus is saying the word lost here, he's somebody, somebody who is disconnected, somebody who is not like spiritually alive or is vitally connected to him in relationship. And Jesus says, I want to bring those people in. Now, you can see that people were very upset because Christ... Now, who do you think those people were? 
There was, there was the churchgoers who were looking at Jesus reaching out to somebody who he should have separated himself from. So I just want to say this in preparation, and everybody, in preparation for what we're getting ready to go through in the next number of weeks. Actually, for the next two months here at Grace in this series, I'm out to change the world. Because when somebody who's a churchgoer says, I want to go deep, it means you... Anybody ever had a massage? Anybody here... Had, okay, some, all right, so thank you. I, not I have never, I've never had a massage. But my wife and I, we go to this gym, and there's the guy, when we're done sometimes, he's got that little chair, that funny-looking chair with the little round thing. Yes? Okay, so I've never had this before. And she says, you know what? I want you to sit in that chair. I'm not going to, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. She says, no, 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 you're really uptight. <laughs> uh, I need you to sit in the chair. So I sat in the chair, and man, he started, and it hurt. He said, i got to go deep. It hurt. It hurt. And here's one of the uncomfortable things. So if you're, you're a churchgoer, and we're getting, ready to go, we're getting ready to go deep, I need you to know something. It's getting ready to hurt. And so when they see Jesus reach it, like actually going to this guy's house, it's like blowing their mind. We're like, we should be set. It just it pulls and it stretches. When you go deep, church person, when you get into the deep realities of who Jesus Christ is and what he has come to do, what he has already done for us, it goes down deep and it gets a little, it gets a little uncomfortable. But nothing great happens when we're coming. You know, comfort changes nothing. In order for us to really change and to be sparked to life, we have to be willing to be uncomfortable. Many times we'll settle on being unhappy because we don't want to be uncomfortable, right? So that's what. So this is this is what's happening here. So Jesus says to him after he makes this statement about his money, he says, "Today salvation has come to your house." Now, why is he running? And why is he climbing trees? Because he's very curious. He's very curious. So I said, "There's Christ. There's compassion. There's community." I want to add something else to that. It's at a lower level than the big three. It's a lower level, but curiosity. Curiosity is really important. I read the book a number of months ago by Walter Isaacson on Leonardo da Vinci, and he starts the book out, and da Vinci was brilliant. <laughs> he didn't paint. He didn't do sculptures. I mean, he did all kinds. He, he did weapons of warfare. He invented all kinds. I mean, the guy was just all over the place. And you know what? You know what Isaacson says about him? He says, da Vinci, along with almost every person who is a genius has the same trait, and they are very curious. Very, very curious. Smart people are curious people. And what happens over a period of time is we just kind of get set in our ways, and we're not curious anymore. So I, want, I just want to encourage you here this morning, at the beginning, the first Sunday of the new year, 2019, can you, like, rally yourself once again to be curious? Can you have some curiosity? You'll have a better year if you're curious. Be curious. Here's what John Calvin, a very famous theologian, said about curiosity. He said, curiosity and simplicity are a sort of preparation for faith. So Zacchaeus is very curious, and he's running, and he's climbing trees, and then Jesus comes to his house, and Zacchaeus doesn't say, you know what? Okay, Jesus, I'm going to pray a whole lot more in 2019. I'm just going to do a whole lot of praying. He doesn't do that. He doesn't say that at all. What he says is, I'm going to get things right financially. Now, I've made some mistakes financially. I've allowed money to get in the way, and I'm going to get that right. And then Jesus responds and says, today salvation has come to your house. Now, this is why it's a subject we don't talk a whole lot about. 
So again, I'll say this. If you're here and this is your first time, you're like, oh my gosh, I heard about churches that do this. They talk about money all the time. So we talk about this about maybe once a year or every two years, but we need to talk and jump starting 2019 just where we are personally, individually, financially, and what you're doing. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to be a Zacchaeus and allow money to weaken your spirit and allow money to stand in your way of your relationship with God or others. You don't want it to keep you from that spark that will charge your faith. Jesus says this. He says it's easier for a camel, big camel, to go through an eye of a little tiny needle than it is for a rich person to get into the kingdom of God. Now, I want to explain that. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with being rich. Actually, the Bible talks about saving and accumulating wealth and working really, really hard and all that. It's great. Not a thing wrong with it. Not a thing wrong with it. But the issue is, is that we begin to have a love for money. We begin to have a dependence upon money, and we depend on that more than we depend on God. What happens with that is, is because Jesus, Jesus says, actually, in the Scriptures, watch out that you're not greedy. Now, he doesn't say watch out for a bunch of other things. But so, so what he's saying is, is that money can deceive us. Like, we can be that way and not even know it. Like, Jesus never says, watch out. Don't, don't have an affair. You know, like, you know when you're having an affair, Right? That's where you say yes. Like, oh my gosh, this isn't my spouse. No, no, you know that. You, you, you know this. You don't have to, you don't have to watch out. You, you know it. But we have a problem with the greed thing. It's like, oh, man. and it's easy to say, oh, you're church, that's all you want or whatever. God doesn't care about money. If God doesn't care about money, somebody should have told Jesus. Because he talked about it more than heaven or hell. So what's up with that? So there is something there. There is a deception there, Right? It's easier for camel guy through needle. It has nothing to do with riches. It's that we begin to depend upon that. The Apostle Paul says something very, very good in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, look it up today, later on, right? He's talking to the Corinthian church, and he says to them, he says, look, look, you guys have exceeded so much in the area of faith and of knowledge and of serving, and you're sharing that faith. He basically says, you guys have done great in Christ, compassion, and community. The three things I just talked about. You've done great. I need you to do something. I need you to add the grace of giving. And this is, this is what I'm basically after today. Because if we are going to live that vibrant life that we really want to, there's a reason why we're here. Like almost 90% of people in America show up to church, whether they're a churchgoer or not, because they want to connect with God in a vital way. They want to have a spark of faith. They want to feel their faith alive. If you want to have that, you can't ignore the issue of finances because it can deceive us. It can weigh us down. It can weaken our spirit because it gets in the way. And this is what happened to Zacchaeus. And so Jesus says today, because Zacchaeus, you're getting it right. Today, salvation, a spark of powerful life has entered your life. It's an uncomfortable thing to talk about, but it is what it is. And Jesus talks a lot about that. Now, I have people say this to me all the time. Hey, John, you know, if I had more, I'd give more. I don't give anything. I don't have anything. The reality is, statistically speaking, everybody, if you're at a lower income level as opposed to a higher at a lower income level, you're eight times more likely to give than at the upper level. I'll say that again. Statistically speaking, this is proven to be true. Eight times more likely to give than when you have less than when you have more. That makes total sense if you think about it. Actually, in America, uh, we gave more. As Americans, we gave more during the Great Depression than we do today. That's a fascinating statistic. Fascinating statistic. So there's this thing in the Bible. Don't get nervous. I need 10 more minutes to explain this. Just 10, all right? 
I want to ask you to consider something. I want to say right up front. We're not getting ready to pla- pass the plate. You're new here? Like, well, okay, they're getting ready to pass the plate? No. They can put the buckets out there. No, we're not going to do that. And I have no idea what anybody gives in this community. I have no idea what anybody gives. So if you see me looking at you and you're like, why is he looking at me? <laughs> it's all good. It's all, it's all good. It's all good. Okay? I'm only interested in one thing. Sparking. I, I do this. Because God put a passion on my heart, because our spiritual life is so important. We can get all kinds of stuff right, but he said eternity in our hearts. If we don't get this thing right, right? So get everything out of the way that would slow our spirits down. This is the only reason I'm talking about this, all right? There's a thing called tithing. Somebody's like, what is that? I'll explain what that is. That's where you give 10% of your income to a local church. 10% of your income to now Hold on. So wait a second. I want to explain some things. I'd never heard about this before. I was actually in Bible college. I grew up in church my whole life. I'd never heard anything about this before. The only thing I knew was my grandmother would give me a dollar bill, and when the plate would come down, she said, put that dollar bill in there. That's all. That's all I knew. I thought everything magically just happened, okay? And I'm in Bible college. I was actually driving in Florida, and a preacher, a radio preacher, radio preacher was on, you know? And uh, yeah, they got some pretty wild radio preachers in Florida. This is a few years back. Right, I'm in college, so it was like five years ago. And uh, he starts talking about this tithing thing. Like, what, is, what is that? 10% of your income. Whoa. And then he says this. Now, this is what got me because I've been in church all my life. He says, you know, everywhere in the Bible, it tells us to trust God. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God. Don't, don't test God. Don't you dare test God. Trust God. Don't you dare test God. He said, here's the one lone area in the entire Bible where it says you can test God. I'm like, what? I'm pulling over the side of the road, you know, trying to get my Bible out. What is he talking about? This is the one area that you can actually test. Like God's saying, I dare you give this a shot. Like, really? So I thought about it. And then more than that, I began to study this. Actually, when you give, when you tithe, the Bible says it's an act of worship. This is not like you're tipping a waiter or something like that, although that's great. But you're actually praying about it. Saying, God, this is an act of worship. I'm praying. So I'm worshiping you, and I'm trusting you. I'm depending upon you. And that's, that's what it means to tithe. And so Chris and I, we began to, we began to pray about this. We to think about it. And I'm telling you. When we were in college, money was tight. Money was super tight, super tight. So we began to pray, think, okay, all right. Look at the scriptures, think about it. We said, we're going to do this thing. We're going to tithing. Now, everybody, you might say, hey, John, you're crazy, but I'm, I'm just going to tell you the truth, what began to happen to us, all right? Things started happening. If somebody was to ask me today, hey, John, what's one of the best things that I could do to see God begin to show up in my life? I would say, you should try tithing. But you should treat it as an act of worship, and you should pray about it. And I'm dead serious. You want to know God exists? Tithe, pray, worship, see what begins to happen next. We began to do that. And we were really really poor. People would start showing up with money for groceries, like the exact amount we needed. Or people would show up with groceries. That was a big deal for us, okay? Because I know that's not a big deal in Arlington County, right? And it wouldn't be a big deal for me today at all. But then, that was everything. 
Like, I don't know how, like, we're living off of noodles, everybody. Did, did anybody here ever live off of noodles? Like I said, Krista, can we put some meat in this spaghetti sauce? No, you can't put any meat in that spaghetti. You're going to have noodles and spaghetti sauce, and that's it, because that's like a $3 meal, buddy, and you eat that night after night after night. And when people started showing up with money for groceries, there was, and it happened repeatedly. Over and over again. When I got to Bible college, I worked for UPS. I worked for UPS when I was in college. And when I got out, I went to work for them full time. And here's one of the most striking things. There was a lot of stuff that happened along the way. Things about apartments. Like we stayed in a place at Bible College. We, we were married. And, and I don't recommend it, but we did it. Uh, and so we stayed in married student housing. And we really wanted to stay there because it was $115 a month, including utilities. I want to say that again. $115 a month, including utilities. And everybody wanted to stay there. And they yes, uh, you're number 50 on the list. And there's no way you're getting in. Like five years from now, after you're gone, you'll get in. But everybody wants you'll never get in. And we're praying, God, we really need to get there. And lo and behold, right before I walked out the door to go to Bible college, right before we driving everything up that it causes, you, you can choose from three different apartments. Like, oh my gosh, $150. That was just a huge thing. Everything. So I'm working for UPS. I'm a package car driver for them in the little brown, right? And I'm driving the package car, and I, you know, I knew that we had bills coming up, and I knew how many hours I worked. I knew exactly what the paycheck would be on Friday. This is one of the things that got me the most. I knew exactly what it was going to be, and I, I go, and but I knew we had these bills to pay. It wasn't like I'm paying the credit card because I bought a bunch of laptops and iPhones and stuff like that. I'm, I'm trying to pay the water and electricity. All right, everybody. Like, okay, God. I'm not only trusting you, but I'm testing you. We, we're testing you. We really need help. I know what the paycheck's going to be. And lo and behold, UPS, the United Parcel Service, doubled my income. Like, they paid me way too much. I looked at it, and I, I knew they made a huge mistake, and I just said, thank you, Jesus, I'll keep it. <laughs> so I went, I went to my supervisor. I went to my supervisor. I went, that morning, I looked at the parent, like, oh, my gosh, this covers everything. I went, so I went, I said, hey, you pay, you like doubled my pay. He's like, there's nothing I can do about it now. Keep the money. We're squared away later. And they didn't square it away for like two months. And then they squared away. By that time, all the crisis was over because I'd been there a couple months and I'd qualified and was making twice the amount of money by that time. Everything. But those kind of things were incredible. At a time when I had a, a house that I was in that the roof was rotting, it was rotting. And somebody just called me and says, I, I, for some reason, I feel like I, I'm going to give this amount of money to you. Like somebody who doesn't even live in this state. And it was the exact amount that the, est, the roof guy with the estimate. Like, are you serious? When our kids were little, we couldn't take vacations. We just, we just couldn't, we couldn't afford it. I had somebody call me and say, you know what? I got this little tiny place. You want to go stay there for a week? Thing after thing after thing after thing. Now, here's, here, here's the deal, everybody. Um, I don't, I don't have a problem with groceries now. And I can actually take a vacation. But you know what? Contentment about the stuff I have. Contentment. United States of America, Americans, we lead the world in stuff and stress. We lead the world in stuff and we can't be content with what we have. And the people who have the most are the people who are the most discontent. Correct? You're reading the same data I am. Could there be a contentment that God could give me when I continue, when I continue? Because what happens is the more we make, the more independent from God we get, and that dries everything up spiritually. And that's the reason that we continue. I want to I tell you, there's a story. It's a great story. I heard it a number of years ago. A guy came into church. He was new to church. He was new to faith. 
He receives Christ as Savior. He begins to grow. He goes to the pastor. He says, you know, pastor, I, I make so little money. The pastor walks him through the whole tithing thing. The guy says, I only make 50 bucks a week, pastor. I really don't have anything. The pastor says, trust, test, trust, test God with 50 bucks. So he begins to tithe. So what is that, 50, 10%? What is that? What? Hey, you got it. Okay. Lo and behold, number of months goes by, blah, blah, blah. Guy's growing, 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 man. Things are starting to happen. His income goes up. Now, after like a year or two, he's making $500 a week. He is so excited. He's tithing. He's trusting. He's testing God on that $500 a week. Can't believe it. He's growing spiritually. He's, so, he's just so incredibly excited about what's happening. Lo and behold, a few years go by, he's making $5,000 a week now. But in that making of the $5,000 a week, that, 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 right, that dependence upon God, because like, oh, God, I need grocery money, right? That's gone. I don't do that anymore. He doesn't do that anymore, right? He's making $5,000 a week, 20 grand a month. He starts drying up spiritually because he's not dependent on God anymore. He's independent because money has a way of making us feel like we are invincible. So that begins to happen to him. And that goes on for year after year after year. And now he's totally dry. He's like, oh, man, I have no spark of spiritual life. I don't feel it anymore. It's just dead. It's just my spirit is not alive. He goes to his pastor. He explains everything. He says, pastor, can you please help me to find that spark of faith again? He told him the whole story. Everything was happening. He told him about the giving, blah, blah, blah. The pastor says, brother, I'm going to help you out. Give me your hands. He grabs a hold of his hands, and they start praying. The pastor says, Jesus Help my brother to make $50 a week again. <laughs> well, it's very natural. If you think about it, you think about everybody. If we will remain dependent upon God, it's more than having groceries paid for. There's a contentment, everybody. We are in one of the richest areas on the planet. We are in the modern-day Rome, Washington, D.C., the five of the ten richest counties in America are right here. The thing that we will fight is being independent from God, saying, I did this, this is mine, whatever. But if we will remain dependent upon God, maybe God doesn't need to pay for our groceries, but maybe he can make us feel content with what we have or make a difference in our relationship. Those things that actually matter the most. There's far more things, far more important than money. Far more important that God could bless us with good gifts that have nothing to do with money. Our relationships, our fulfillment, our satisfaction out of life. Oh, I said this in the beginning. I do this about every couple years. I'll throw out this like challenge about money, tithing. So what we want to do, I've had so many people, when I do this, I've had so many people say, you know what, you know what, John, you did this thing, you did this thing, and I actually tried that weird thing that you talked about, and stuff happened. People say this to me all the time, and so I finally had somebody say, you know what, would you mind recording, would you mind doing a recording? And so we got Richard, watch your screen right here, we're going to show you a story of Richard and what happened to him. So a couple of years ago, John was talking in church about tithing, and it's typically one of those conversations that really makes me recoil, and my eyes roll up in the back of my head, and I just shut down and stop listening right then. But on this day, I don't know why, but I, I, I listened, I paid attention, I heard, because something was nagging at me that I needed to change in my life. So I decided to take that tithing test, and I gave. And within about two or three days of, of my check clearing, 
uh, I had a buddy call me and say, hey, do you want to take an interview with a different job? I wasn't looking for another job. It found me. And I didn't think anything about tithing at the time. So I took the interview. I ended up getting the job. And at the end of the day, the whole thing paid me about 20% more. And it didn't click with me at first why this happened to me. But it's probably about, you know, a month later when I realized Sean challenged me to tithe. I tithe. God gave me this gift because I was faithful to him. So I maintained my tithing for about another year or so. And then I'm trying to improve my financial status. So I stopped tithing for a little bit to try and build up my, my surplus. And immediately my boss is on my back. He's never been riding me like this before. Now the same work that I had turned in that had been great was subpar. It wasn't meeting the standards. I don't know why this is happening. But again, that voice is in the back of my head and it's telling me, turn your tithing back on. So I did. And lo and behold, in about two or three days, the, the negativity just stopped. And again, I'm like, thank you, Lord. I don't know why you're, you're so good to me. And, and it's amazing. And I would, I would say nothing in our church happens without people who finance it. Um, and sometimes that's, that's a gift. You know, my gift can be, you know, my giving uh, as well as my time. Um, and so I, I took that challenge. I'm so happy I did. Um, and I won't stop it again. All right. All I want to do is spark your curiosity. What would happen? What would happen? You see what Richard said? It, it, it just wasn't about getting a 20% increase. But it was the quality of his work and working with, right? So this is not like a get-rich-quick scheme. Every time I talk about tithing, I think about this old Richard Pryor movie where he's up front and he's got these stack of $100 bills. He says, you too can play the trapezoid. You know, it's this, this, this thing where you could give money and you'd make money and it's like the lottery or something. This isn't it. <laughs> We're not talking about the lottery today. We're talking about a contentment that comes from trusting and depending upon God and, yes, even testing God, and it's the only place where we can test God that's in the Bible. And so I have done this challenge throughout the 18-year history of this church every now and then, new all the time, and I've heard so many stories. I've even said this. Look, look this is what I've done in, in the past. I said, you know what? If you, think we're just, if you think we're just another church trying to get all your money, and I know we don't even take up an offering here. It's just in the back, right? Think we're trying to, then just give your money to another church. All I want you to do is just to be curious and to treat it as an act of worship and see what happens. The last time at the time Richard's talking about what I said that time, I said, look, try it for a month. Try it for a month, and if it doesn't work, we'll give you your money back, right? And nobody's asked for it back. Now, there's some IRS problems with that, so you can't do that. <laughs> so that's, that's my bad. That's my bad. I'll accept, I'll accept that one, okay? But I would encourage you to be curious about this. Now, my last closing point, that this is what... I am the most excited about in 2019 for Grace Community Church. So, like, listen up, Grace Live in West Falls Church. Here's the, most th the thing I'm most excited about. Some of you people in this room are church people. Some of you have been to church for a long time, and we know something called a capital campaign. Anybody ever heard or been a part of a capital campaign? Capital campaign. Thank you very much, some of you in the room. It is when churches 
raise money to build a building. They do a capital campaign. And I have heard this for about 20 years. Pastors say, not one, not two, but many, many, many churches say that not the pastor, but the church people come to say, pastor, during the capital campaign, I grew spiritually more than any other time in my life because it's natural. People were testing. People were trusting and testing and giving more. And people who were like giving as little gave more. And people were really trusting. And it, it really sparked their faith. So here's the thing. Ready? Ready for this? Don't leave. We're going to do a capital campaign. And we're not going to do it to build a building. We're not going to do it. We're going to do it to build a better city. We're just going to do a capital campaign like this outward, not for this. Not for us to build a building for us, but for us to do something. I've already talked to the D.C. government. I've talked to the Arlington County Board. We're going to try to identify what is the one biggest need that Grace Community Church can sink itself into in this community to make this community, this city, a much better place. Does it have something to do with housing or homelessness or education? I don't know, but we're figuring it out. You can pray with us about that. You can give us your ideas, but we want to pick one thing. We can say, you know what, at least $250,000 in a capital campaign that we can do. And we can not just hand a check, we can actually go get our hands dirty and work with people to make a difference in this city for people who need it. And I'm really excited about that. We're not doing a capital campaign to build a building. We're doing a capital campaign to build a better city for this community. We're not going to stop the giving. We already, we already give 300 some thousand dollars away to our local partners and our global partners. We're not going to stop that. So we have to go above and beyond that to do something. We're going to have to stretch because it's not in our budget. It's not in our budget to do. We have to stretch and believe and trust and pray. But some Somehow we're going to make, hit that mark. And somehow we're going to work with either the D.C. government or we're going to work with the Arndon County Board or somewhere here in Northern Virginia. But we're going to do one thing and we're just going to go after it. And I want to encourage you in the midst of that to consider trusting and testing God and being curious and not allowing money to hold you back, to weaken your spirit. Who knows? Like the Apostle Paul says, you got Christ, you got community, you got compassion, you got it down. Your faith is up here. Your knowledge is up here. You're sharing it. Add the grace of giving to all of that. And I want to encourage you with what we said earlier. Consider getting into a group because today is group sign up. Now, all that being said, and we'll talk a whole lot more about this, Throughout this year and in the weeks to come, we'll give you updates about this. Last thing, next week. You all ever see the movie The Matrix? Anybody see the movie The Matrix? If you haven't seen it, you should see the movie. It's a pretty good movie. All kinds of biblical themes in there, my goodness. There's a scene in there. You've got to love Lawrence Fishburne's voice. Anybody love Lawrence Fishburne's voice? He's got that, mm, I know, just deep, serious. And he looks at Neo and he says, are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? Everybody, next week, we are going to go deep down the rabbit hole. And if you're not a churchgoer and you just want to know, give me, the, give me the raw, real, who is Jesus? What has he done? If you are a churchgoer, you're like, man, I want to go deep. We, this is it. We are out to change our world starts next week. We please pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, uh, for your word. Thank you for your challenge. Nothing good comes from comfort, God. You make us uncomfortable so we can grow and you can spark our faith, God. Help us raise that level of curiosity in us. That our faith, that today, that that salvation, that that spark of faith would just jolt us like a pair of jumper cables. In Christ's name, amen.